What's going on? Welcome to the show. Pete Callender here. News Talk 1110 and 99.3 WBT. We live in very, very stupid times. Now, to be fair, to be fair, the stupid times have been rapidly approaching for a great many years. So it's not just like we didn't just arrive here, right? I mean, the stupidity has been building for a while. I'm specifically talking about the debate that I watched on the Mecklenburg County Commission yesterday. There's two hours of my life I'll never get back. Um, (laughs) And it's good to see that the more things change in Mecklenburg County, the more they stay the same. I'm talking about those two elected officials who were elected officials when I was starting out as a young cub reporter here on WBT back in 2000. And uh, George Dunlap and Vilma Leek have not changed at all, except apparently some people seem to think it would be a really great idea to put George Dunlap in charge of the county commission. That is as astounding as it is comical to me. (laughs) This guy, I'm not a fan. I'm not a fan. He's not a fan of mine. I'm sure he probably didn't even remember me. He might if if he saw me. If he saw me show back up in the pit at the government center with my little microphone and little press badge. Actually, I cannot do that any longer because they've shut down the government center because of the mask mandate. So uh, we'll have to wait on that reunion at some point. By the way, uh, Ryan, do you have a microphone I can borrow? Just take with me just for show. Give me, give me that one. It won't work. Or do you want do you just want <laughs> to, pret- to just work. pretend like you're. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Just for the visual. That's all. Just looking for a visual. Um, I, I'm sorry if this is going to come off as offensive. Uh, to some degree, but uh, George Dunlap has always been an arrogant and condescending elected official. He always has been this way, and he has only gotten worse now that he has power. Uh, it was, I mean, it was he was a, it was kind of a joke when he didn't have power, but now that he has power, yikes! And you saw it on full display. I've got the audio. We're going to go through this meeting yesterday. I've got a bunch of audio. Um, And I've got the news story that ran in the Charlotte Observer. A couple of observations about the Observer and their coverage. Also, the governor did his news conference yesterday. And um, I only pulled two sound bites out of that. There wasn't really a whole lot of, uh, of news. But there was a comment, a couple comments that were made by the governor and the Health and Human Services Secretary, Mandy Cohen, that uh, raised my eyebrows, let's say. Uh, Although, to be fair, one eyebrow is usually in a perpetual state of raisedness, so uh, it's not a lot to get me to raise the other one, especially if it's a government official talking. And so two of the comments they made really struck me as, huh, odd kind of comments. So let's get to this. First off, and I think this is important because it really really sets the tone, it sets the mood. For my old friend Vilmalik, and honestly, like Vilmalik as a person, like, I got along with her fine. Like when I, um, so I was a reporter and then I became a talk show host here on WBT and I was doing nine to midnight. And so I didn't see a lot of these people after I would, after I'd covered them for, you know, like almost what nine years or 10 years, whatever it was. 
I became a, a host. And so I didn't cover them for a while. They didn't see me for a while. And then um, I went over to what then was called News 14, now Spectrum News. I went over there and I went back and covered some stuff. And when I ran into her at one of these meetings, I mean, she like welcomed me like, oh, and gave me a big hug and all this stuff. But the, the thing you got to know about Vilma Leek is she's a political animal, right? <laughs> like if you understand that about her, then a lot of this stuff makes sense. So, and, and also, she and Dunlap, petty. They're, they're kind of petty. Dunlap is very petty. Uh, Vilma Leek is, well, she is also. So they're both very petty. And uh, you can hear it in this comment. This is obviously, so as long as I remember, it, this is going back now almost 20 years, Vilma Leek talks too much at the board meetings. No matter what board she's on, she, she talks too much. She used to do... When she was a school board member, because now she's on county commission, when she was a school board member, she would do these reports during the meetings. And they would go on and on and on about every school that she visited, every teacher she met, every principal she talked to, every child she encountered. This is what we were all forced to listen to for probably close to sometimes they ran like 10 minutes or so. So then the county commissioners and like they all would complain, but nobody wanted to directly confront her, especially her fellow Democrats. And so they would try to find ways they would like move the thing, uh, the report, the commissioners updates, whatever they would move them around in the, uh, in the agenda, try to put them at the end of the meeting. So people could leave like the, the audience could all leave, you know, but they wouldn't have to listen to her. Uh, And then she, but she knew what they were doing. And so, that ticked her off. And she did it for a reason. She did it to send the signal that I'm out there in the community, right? And her constituents loved it. They, you know, she essentially giving them shout outs. Oh, I went to, you know, Shamrock Elementary or whatever it was. And I saw this principal and I talked to these teachers and, oh, and this little class. And they were doing this and all my babies. That's what she would call them. All of my babies. The kids. I mean, not her babies, but the, all of the children, she would talk about, they're all her babies. And, um, and then she, sometimes like if there was some sort of an event, she'd get all righteously indignant about it and all that. So that's kind of Vilma Leek. And, uh, this is why the opening remarks, it just, it really took me back. It, it grounded me. It brought me home. You'll take a listen to it as well. Cause it really sets the tone as did George Dunlap's opening comments to the public. It really does set the tone for the condescension and the arrogance of the county commission in making these decisions as our quote-unquote board of health. Our board of health is the county commissioners, and as far as I know, not a single expert in health on the board. News Talk 1110-993-WBT, 704-570-1110, and 1-800-WBT-1110. Let's start the show with Vilma Leek, County Commissioner Vilma Leek, her initial comments before we even get into the, the meat of the debate, the substance of the matter at hand, the mask mandates. Vilma Leek feels compelled to take a point of personal privilege, which, by the way, is what she always does. She does this repeatedly all the time. At least she used to. I assume she still does because she did it yesterday as well. 
She takes a moment to just get something off her chest. What a personal privilege, Mr. Chairman, for clarity for me. For clarity, of course. Are those persons going to be able to participate that's asking to be excused from being present except for Ella Scarborough and Pat Cotham? My understanding under the rules, uh, since we're in a state of emergency, all members who are are present virtually will have full participate in the meeting. That's correct. Uh, and that's in what information? That was not given to us before this meeting. All right, hang on a second. She's complaining about certain county commissioners being able to participate remotely. That's what she's complaining about, that there are, that half of the county commissioners are participating remotely. That's her beef. That's under the revised statute, Commissioner Lee. When I can't hear you. When there's a rem- That's something else she's been doing for 20 years. The masks have made it worse, I'm sure, but that's been her response to people for 20 years at public meetings. Can't hear you. Just yelling at them. Can't hear you. I'm going to start doing that to Ryan whenever he gives me, like, the time cues or whatever. Just going to turn to him. Can't hear you. Remote meeting, the law allows for remote participants to participate in the meeting. Well, we have voted before, so I'm not One. clear. This is a special meeting. He's not, well, the, the lawyer's not making it clear for me. Because this is a special meeting and all <laughs> members cannot attend, the law allows for remote participants to participate in the meeting. All right, hang on a second. Where has she been for the last year and a half during the pandemic? Right, remote meetings, this has been a thing, right? Like, all of a sudden, everybody has a Zoom account, right? We've all become experts at video conferencing. This is she is not baffled. She does not lack clarity. She's not really complaining about somebody not telling her what the rule was going to be ahead of time. That is all ruse. What did I say at the beginning, right? Thing you need to always keep in mind, Vilma Leak is a political animal. This is part of a larger argument she is making. It is a petty one, to be sure, but she's making it. This is the only kind of meeting that we allow persons who cannot be here to participate. Well, you allow it because it's a special meeting, but the board can adopt different rules if the board chooses to do so. Well, you didn't give us that privilege at the beginning. We immediately said that these people would participate. And let me say this to the public. There have been times when other members of this board have been unable to participate. And there are three people who always vote against them participating when they can't be here. And I think it's unfair. And maybe I'm speaking out of order. I don't know, but I (laughs) don't ever know what's going to happen to me that I can't be here. And all of a sudden, they want us to allow them to participate when they have voted against members of this board to participate because they could not be here. (laughs) Pat Cotham had surgery. And the other person, I'm not sure what the rationale is. And every time they come up with the names of those individuals, these three people always vote against them being able to operate from home or wherever they are. So that's why I'm speaking to the public (laughs) to see where there is injustices for some people and here we're talking about an ordinance about treating people fairly right 
we have to treat all of us fairly. And now that's what I'm speaking for. And I want the public to know right. what we do here yeah. reflects the organization that we represent. And it's unfair for them to sit here and vote no and want us today to allow them to participate. All right. Okay, moving on. There's some housekeeping rules. <laughs> that right. to okay. That's it. So Dunlap's like, let's, uh, <clears throat> yeah, good job. What is, so what's her beef here? What's her beef? And this is hilarious because I actually know what her beef is about. Because 20 years ago, she was trying to dial into meetings rather than go. That's what I suspect this is about. Is that when she started, when she started the meeting, I was like, oh, my God, we are still having this argument. Still. Her beef is that years, I mean, it has been for years, that she would want to call in and just participate on a conference call. And this has been done. It had been done I mean, years ago, you know, 15 years ago. They did not have everything set up like they do now, right? They would, like, I've, I've been in city council meetings, Charlotte City Council meetings, where they would, like, bring out the, uh, the, the, the tabletop phone in the meeting room and be like, all right, you're on speakerphone just because they needed the extra yes vote for something. And I suspect this is what this is really about, is that she has tried to dial in, stay home for whatever reason, and they're like, no, you got to be here because the rules said you had to be there. And there was some vote she you know, wanted to take but didn't want to go in for the whole meeting or couldn't go in for the whole meeting or whatever, and that's her petty beef. So she's taking this opportunity to be like, well, you guys are dialing in. I guess it's okay now, huh? So that's the tone for the meeting that we're going to get into up next. First, we're going to get into some news over in the WBT News Center with Mark Muller. News Talk 1110-993-WBT. Back to the county commissioner meeting from yesterday. Sorry, the Board of Health. They were operating as the Board of Health because of Mecklenburg County. They didn't want to take some tough votes a long time ago, and so they, <laughs> they changed the nature of the structure of the board, which Pat Cotham references, actually, in her comments. She did eventually vote no on this uh, countywide mask mandate, um, and she explains why here. Uh, I'd like to start off by with a little bit of a history that I have brought up since I was a new commissioner in 2012. Um, just so the public knows that I disagree with our structure as the Consolidated Human Services Agency and as the Board of Health. I wish we had a, a real Board of Health with professionals, retired people who are uh, professionals in health that could really advise us. But anyway, that's where we are. So I've said that many times over the years, so I just wanted to say it one more time. Um, over the, uh, I have listened um, to people on both sides of this uh, this equation, and uh, both sides of the people have made good point. They really do. Uh, but there was one point that really stopped me in my tracks, and and that is. Uh, we are going to force the six towns 
to uh, go along with this. They are independent bodies of government. And I have talked to several of the mayors today and I, over the years, I've visited those towns and gone to their meetings. And um, the people who move there like to be in a small town. Um, and uh, I cannot support anything where we're forcing another body of government, the six towns, to do what they may not choose to do. And so there's also other reasons, but because of that, I, I am not going to support this. And I think that I, I keep hearing get to follow the science, but, you know, we've all lived through a very difficult time. And there have been a lot of mistakes made, and, and that was okay. Everybody was doing the best they could with the information they had. Mm -hmm. But we all remember when it started. You know, it, it wasn't this or it wasn't that. Or in the beginning, the mask, it was like, well, the only ones that were good were the N95s. And then it was like, oh, no, you can't use that. That's just for the healthcare people. True. And, and then it was the social distancing and, and it was washing your hands. And, and now we're just talking about one thing. Why aren't we talking about, you know, social distancing? Why aren't we talking about sanitizing your hands? It, it's, um, there's just, there's just a lot of, there's just the people have kind of like had enough, um, but what really <laughs> yeah. is making me vote no that is because I don't I think we're on a dangerous precedent to ever force the towns to override the towns. I am not comfortable with that. I respect them. They are my friends. Um, I, I cannot do that, even though I know some of the people in the towns maybe might want the mask mandate, but it's the principle of the thing. It's the principle, and I, I can't override that. All right, so that's her—that's what it comes down to for Pat Cotham. She does not want to dictate to the six small cities—I don't, I don't feel comfortable calling them towns at this point—the six small cities. She does not feel comfortable dictating to them uh, what, their man, uh, what their mask policy should be inside uh, city limits. Now, there is a counter-argument that gets made later— You'll hear from a couple um, commissioners who say, and this is a fair argument as well, <clears throat> which is, well, we're the Board of Health and we are the County Board of Health. And let's be honest, the county doesn't really control a whole heck of a lot anymore. See, years and years and years ago, when uh, the county and the city consolidated operations to the degree they did, they had to, they had to divide up responsibilities right like city of charlotte they did the police department and the the county police they went away just you got the sheriff's office right you got um the counties doing health and human services they do parks and rec and the city doesn't right city doesn't do anything with schools they gave that to the uh to the county as an oversight board and then the city does all the zoning and planning and annexing everything within sight, right? Like that's been the relationship for gosh, 30 years now. I want to say since consolidation, when did consolidation happen? I want to maybe even almost 40 years now. So that was always the deal. And like, honestly, over the years I had heard people comment at the County level. Actually, I do remember people at the city level making the same sort of comment, which is that some people in the County are still kind of envious 
that they don't have more of the power that Charlotte has. They, especially as Charlotte was gobbling up all of the land in the county, right? They became, I mean, it's a massive city, like the just the square mileage of the city of Charlotte because they annexed so much. And the county had like parks. And before the pandemic, it was like, okay, health and human services. That was it. And nobody really, I mean, yes, they got into fights with the school board. That was that was their deal. They would get into fights with the school board about funding. And everybody looked bad. So they there were a lot of people that kind of looked over at the city side and they were like, man, that's where the action is, you know. Be cool to be over at the city side. Um, but now you got a pandemic and you've got county commissioners operating as the Board of Health. And wait a minute. Now we got some juice. Right now we can tell some people what to do. I am. I always try to remember to mention this. I will try to do it a couple times today. The most important information that I feel like I got during the pandemic was a Gallup survey. It was conducted uh, on behalf of uh, uh, Franklin Templeton financial group and they asked people to assess their risk of catching COVID and dying from COVID. And what they found was, first off, wild misperceptions about the risk. People did not understand the actual risk of catching it and dying from it. They did not understand it. And the misperception was way worse among people on the left. And I don't know what, you know, what is, if there's a causal relationship, I, I don't know. And they didn't assert anything. They just found people who are politically of the left have a wild misperception about the risk. They were thinking it was somewhere in the neighborhood of about one out of two people would catch it and die from it. And that is feeding the fear. And when you understand that piece of data and you start applying it across the board, it now makes sense. Why you hear reporters ask the questions that they ask, because they're usually of the left, and you hear the elected elected officials making their pronouncements and their edicts the way they are doing, because they are of the left as well, right? There is a difference here. It's not partisan. It has to do with risk assessment and people's general disposition that is manifested through their political ideology. News Talk 1110-993. Pete Callender here. The Mecklenburg County Commission meeting as the Board of Health. The experts in Mecklenburg Health ruling over all of us as they are wont to do. Commissioner Vilma Leek, we already heard from her where she set the tone, but then she made comments about the countywide mask mandate. And uh, she voted in support of it, which is really not a surprise. But let me first say thank you for this opportunity. And let me clarify, I am not a medical doctor. Wait a minute. No. Hey, hey, hang on. I think this is important to point out that she is not a medical doctor because for about 20 years, she was known as Dr. Leek. Do you know that? I know there are people that are new to town and <clears throat> may not realize that she was a doctor. For a long time, she was called Dr. Leak at every school board meeting. She was 
referred to in the community as Dr. Leak. Um, she was cited as and named as Dr. Leak on the Charlotte Mecklenburg School website and the, you know, here, meet your board and all of that. Dr. Leak, Dr. Leak, Dr. Leak. Not a doctor. Never was a doctor. They just started calling her that. As uh, an actual Ph.D. doctor, Wilhelmina Rembert, she was also a school board member, um, and she like she was a doctor. She had a doctorate, um, and she would call her Doctor Leak, and she actually defended Vilma Leak when all of this scandal broke that she wasn't really a doctor. Um, she says it, it's a it wasn't a term of endearment. It was a term of respect or love or something in the black community is what she said. And Wilhelmina Rembert was also a black woman. And so she had the authority to tell us all of that. Like, yeah, no, she's not a doctor. You don't get to call her a doctor. Sorry. That's not how that works. And CMS took her doctorate off the, they took the doctor off of the website and all of that. So I do think it's important for her to acknowledge she's not a doctor because there was confusion for about 20 years. Not a registered nurse. She's also not a nurse. Just a good citizen who right. wants to make sure that my community is safe. Right. And when I say that in terms of providing what's necessary to help us to maintain a safe community. Okay. When I heard you mention the fact about tuberculosis, mm-hmm. that came to mind and several people talked to me about it and what the uh, repercussion is. You did not mention the fact that anybody who taught in the school system had to be given the shot before they could work at the beginning of the school year. It's not a a matter whether you want to be, ought to be, or what. That's a part of the law, Mm -hmm. that you must be given that injection before you can teach in the public school system or in any school system with children. And some people say they're teachers when they haven't taught in a school system, but they taught Sunday school. So I'm not sure about that ramification. All right, that's just a random dig at somebody, obviously, who said something to her about, oh, I'm a teacher too, but I taught Sunday school. And so she's like, that's not really a teacher. I mean, I was a teacher. And by the way, I do remember some stories about how good of a teacher she was. But that's not really important to this story. But I'm using good with the air quotes around it. Okay. But as it relates to working with children, you must have that uh, injection. Hmm. So that, to me, says to us that the law does tell us what to do. It does say that if you're teaching, you can't teach. It doesn't say you might want to teach and come back and get the shot later. You can shake your head all you want to. It does say that in Mecklenburg County. Now, maybe where you came from, it didn't. Oh, look at that. There's a, that's a double dig right there. So she's, she's, she's responding to a member of the audience. And the, the people in the audience, there was like, I don't know, six of them. And they were like, you know, animated. They were making snarky comments and shaking their head. They were overly theatrical and dramatic and all of this. And uh, so she's responding, oh, you can shake your head, but that's the case here. And then she throws in the, you're not from here. Right? She threw that in. She has no idea where that person who was, I don't even know who was shaking their head, but she has no idea where that person's from. 
So what I'm saying to the public, and especially to District 2 and my seniors, mm -hmm. they're the ones who's wearing the mask. The young people are not wearing them. People who moved here last week or two years ago or five years ago are not wearing the mask. Oh, it's all the, see, it's all them foreigners. And by foreigners, I mean people from outside of Mecklenburg County, I assume. Those are the people. You, you people from somewhere else. I, I assume she's talking about, what, New York, California. <laughs> Democrats as well. I assume because that's who seems to be moving here, right? It's just more and more Democrats keep moving here. So it sounds like she's attacking her own. And many of my seniors are talking about people they lost because of the virus. Mm -hmm. And you can say they haven't died. I know I witnessed several of my friends who've died because, let me turn this way, because this lady's distracting me, <laughs> saying I'm not telling the truth by shaking her head. These are my friends I'm talking about, not your friends, my friends oh my who have died. And uh, so she has now if turned. they had been able to get the injections, which they had not, and the wearing of the mask was not as prominent as it is today, maybe their lives could have been saved. I don't know. I can't speak to that. Okay. But I do know that I've received telephone calls not from black people, but white people telling me not to vote for this. Okay. And the greater number of people who are dying are black folks are dying because of it. If, uh, am I right? Um, really. Over the last several weeks, 50% of all of our deaths I have can't been, hear you. Um, there it is again. Over, over the last number of weeks, 50% of our deaths have been among African Americans. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Right, over the last few weeks, but... Most of the people who have died have been white because there are more white people uh, and they are older. Uh, they live longer. White people live longer than and that's, you know, what people will point to as systemic racism, the, the lifespan difference there. Um, but in recent weeks, you've had more black people dying. You know why? It's because they have a much, much lower vaccination rate. Like eight out of 10 or nine out of 10 black folk are not getting the shot. And when we began the process of making sure that communities were being given the injections we didn't start on the west side of town we started in huntersville what? we started in cornelius so i worry about all of the ramifications that's been a part of this when it became very political we didn't make it political no no washington dc made it political oh okay Washington, D.C. made it political with Trump <laughs> no. saying, no. saying what he had to say. Wait a minute. So I'm saying what I have to say, Mr. Chairman, is it was political. Is my four minutes up? Your, your time is. is up. And, and she does you. that, too. She's been doing that for two. Oh, oh, oh. Uh, did I run over time? Yes, you're, you ran over time, and you know you ran over time. There was so much going on in that little clip, in that clip there at the end. I know it. <laughs> It, 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 like the wheels just fall completely off. <laughs> Unbelievable. All right. It's Trump. Trump made it political. That guy, he went and rushed through these vaccines and then he left them for us to administer. That monster.
But I can't wait for the speculation about whether the guy who had the bomb up in Washington, D.C., whether he's a, a Trumpkin, a Tea Partier, uh, a Proud Boy. Oh, my gosh. I'm so looking forward to this. I mean, and if it's like any like of the recent history, like going back, I don't know, 20 years, <clears throat> then uh, the the race to identify him as a right winger usually ends up with him being a lefty or insane. That's just normally what happens, but we'll see. By the way, if you're wondering, like, Pete, why aren't you running down this path trying to figure out who is? I, I don't know. I Because I don't know. And I'm going to wait for law enforcement to do what they do and investigate, give us some information, and then I can assess it, and then we can talk about it. That's how I, that, that's my method. That's my process. Right? I don't, I, I try not to like run out and just be like, oh my God, this stuff is happening. What could it be? What could it be? It could be this. It could be that. It could be anything. I don't do that because it's not helpful. It just inspires panic. It does get the clicks, though. I will say that. It will get you some clicks, earn you some clout. Um, so, uh, Commissioner Vilmali. She's now going to vote uh, no on the mask mandate, as you heard her uh, describe, because uh, she knows people who died. And the science is that the masks will uh, would have prevented that or could have prevented that had they just had we just known about masks, which we did know about masks at the beginning of the covid outbreak. But remember, we were told not to use the masks at the beginning of the covid outbreak. By the same people that now she's relying on to demand that we wear the masks. So. It's all, it's all very sciencey. You wouldn't understand it. Um, next up is Commissioner County Commissioner Laura Meyer, and she supported the mask mandate, as did uh, Vilma Leek. During World War II, Americans united for the greater good, and they, for, they sold their valuables for the war effort. Women went back to work. And uh, one event that I personally remember when, when Americans united and dropped politics was after 9-11. We, we um, became unified as Americans. We held each other up. We leaned on each other. We were united. That's actually a pretty good example because we all united. And then George W. Bush helped to unite us, not just to take us to war in Afghanistan, see current headlines, but also to war in Iraq, right? So, yeah, I think it's a perfect example. (laughs) Just because we're all united doesn't mean it's the right thing to do. Just because everyone else is jumping off the bridge, right? And I'm not making an argument here pro-con on the Iraq war. I'm just noting the argument is fallacious in a logical sense. Because just because everybody seems to uh, agree with a certain direction that they're pulling doesn't mean that's the correct direction. But I understand this might be kind of difficult to fathom for a lot of our friends on the left who are all about just, you know, calling for progress and moving forward. The problem with that is that, you know, progressing forward without a destination could actually run you right off the side of a cliff, right? The, the destination is as important as the progress forward. Because sometimes if you're, hurtling towards the abyss, you might want to backtrack just a little bit, maybe pump the brakes, maybe turn, go a different direction, you know. Anyway, uh, back to 
Commissioner Meyer. This should be one of those times. It should be one of those the times. The pandemic is not selective, though right. it does absolutely affect others more than, than some. I acknowledge that 100%. Okay. We are in this together. We should work together and we should protect each other. I well, hang on a second. We're not all actually in this together. This has been one of the things that, uh, and maybe it's just my contrarianism. I acknowledge I I have this streak in me, an anti-authoritarian streak as well. I, I, I fully cop to that. But I've never bought this line that we're all in this together. You know why? Because I still had to go out and get groceries. And there were people that were working at the grocery store. Were they in it with me? Well, I was at home. Like there are people who have what I've heard uh, dubbed, and I think it's a pretty good term, uh, lockdown privilege. They had lockdown privilege. There are a lot of people who could stay at home for a year and not leave the house. There are still people at home not leaving the house, having everything delivered to them. And if you think about it, they're offloading the risk to other people, right? They're saying you can get covid while you deliver me my groceries. And that's okay. I'm all right with that risk level. I'm okay with offloading that risk to you. That's what they're saying. So no, there's not like a morally superior position here, but also we're not all in this together, right? We're not. I understand the pitch because the pitch is to try to get us to do things that we don't want to do to try to help save the lives of others, right? And this is all this is. It's a pitch. That's what it is. Is there science to back it up? Well, everybody seems to be going right past that part of it, which I find to be kind of illustrative. It's informative. Nobody's really talking about the science. They talk about the science, but they don't actually go over the science, the research, the studies, the data. Uh, we should be holding each other up and accountable it is so simple all we have to do is wear a mask that's it just do what i tell you to do that's all you got to do why don't you want to do what i tell you to do just do it you hate people why are you trying to get people killed this is the wrong way to approach well really anything (laughs) if you're trying to convince anybody of anything this is the wrong way to do it i'm i'm going to go out on a limb i don't know laura meyer i don't know what her background is but i'm going to assume she's not a salesperson of any kind (laughs) and if she is you may not be a very good one. When you are in public, wear a mask. It's not complicated. It's also not violating your constitutional rights. And some of my emails, excuse me, some of my emails have had the audacity to compare a mask mandate, mask mandate to slavery. Shame on you. This body before you, uh, we weren't, we are not here for the power and the money that many of my emails have suggested I laughed at that, as I'm sure some of my colleagues no. did as well. No, see, that's they're not here for the power of the money. I mean, the money, probably not, but the power? No, no, no. They just simply want to tell you what to do. They're not here for power. They just simply want to direct the entire course of over a million people and where we live. That's not about power. What are you talking about? That's <laughs> just nuts. Just because they want to tell you you know, how much money the school should get just because they want to tell you where the park should be built and what the park should look like. And they want to tell you what masks to wear and when to wear them. And 
how long to wear them. That's not about power. What are you talking about? They're doing this for your own good. Don't you realize that, people? I'm certain, um, I'm certain they got a good laugh at it. I want to assure my constituents that I ran for this office because I wanted to make a difference. And when I make a difference, I have to make hard decisions. And right, see, she wants to make a difference, which she does by not having power. That's, that's how you make differences in the world. It's you don't, you, you have no power. And that's the pathway to difference making. Like I'm at a Hornets game. Isn't that this? Yeah, there we go. News Talk 1110-993-WBT. A couple of tweets that came in at Pete Callender on the Twitter machine. Richard says, Pete, Vilma Leak is leaking BS. Again, I live in Huntersville, and I had to get my vaccine off of Independence Boulevard. And uh, Monica says, Pete, as Spires would say, that commissioner is wispy. She's wispy. (laughs) I don't know what that means. (laughs) That she's wispy? Let me see here. Where was it? What clip number was that? That was uh, Laura Meyer, number four. Four. Let's resume. Let's see if it's still there. right now. We are in that situation where I have to make a hard decision. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Wispy, wispy. Public health director Gibby Harris said over and over, "We hope the community will do what they need to do," and sadly, they did not. Oh, the community did not do what it needed to do. I'm looking at you. Actually, not. I'm not looking at anybody. Well, I'm in a studio, but. Like, who is she talking about? Who is the community? Is it everybody? Because if you want to break down vaccination rates, I mean, yes, as I understand it, white rural Republicans are at a lower vaccination rate than left-wing white folks in urban areas. However, every other racial demographic is really, really low. So is this really a path you want to go down to start blaming Essentially, black and Hispanic people for the Delta variant. It's one of the things Democrats never seem to. It's the benefit of the big D shield. They get to hold it up. And I'm a Democrat, so I don't have to answer any of these types of questions. And all the reporters assume my motives are pure. Oh, of course, Commissioner Meyer isn't talking about black and Hispanic people. Certainly, she's only referring to those evil knuckle dragging Republicans. That's who she's talking about. And that's okay. (laughs) <laughs> this is who are you talking about here that the community didn't do the the community that is overwhelmingly Democrat in Mecklenburg County, the that community. They're the reason why everybody's getting sick again. That's it. Again, if you feel the need to blame human beings for the Delta variant and the covid virus, uh, you need to blame China. We did. Our community did not get vaccinated. A little over 50 percent is vaccinated. Um, and those who don't wish to be vaccinated, many are not wearing masks. And so here we are. Our positivity rate is dramatically increasing and our hospitals are being burdened again. So therefore, here we are making one of making those hard decisions. Masks do work. They are not 100 percent. 
but children under the age of 12 are unable to get the vaccine. I don't think it's asking too much to do our small part to help the children of our community. It's for the great. Oh, Commissioner Law, this is my first and last warning. If you continue, you'll be removed. You will be removed. Thank you. This is for the greater good of our community. Our restaurants are thriving, our businesses are open, and because we are masking up, they're going to continue to thrive and they're going to continue to be open. How do you know that? School is starting. Hang on, hang on a second. The whole point of the mask mandate is because nobody knows when the spike is going to turn down, which by the way, there are charts out there that show that the spike is already starting to decline. It's true. It's already starting to What happens Here's a here's a ba- uh, brain buster. What happens if the numbers start declining before the mask mandate actually has a chance to work or is even implemented fully? Will people who are the the pro masking crowd will they actually say, "Oh, well this undermines our belief." Will they say that? This is one of the most frustrating things in the last year and a half. I have tried to remain open. It's why, by the way, like initially, I said, yes, let's, if if lockdowns are the way, because nobody knows what this virus is going to do, then lock it down, keep people from milling about and spreading it, because we don't know how it's spreading. And then it was, because remember at the beginning, it was, um, we don't know if it's aerosolized. We don't know if it's by contact. So everything got locked down. And it's like, all right, we don't want to overwhelm the hospitals and, This is apparently happening. We saw the case counts out of Italy and people dying in Italy, which, you know, anyway, I'm not going to get into that story. But we saw that we we saw this and then we had the modeling coming from presumed experts. Right. We believed the people who had made this their life's work when they said this is what's going to happen. And then there were the masks. Hey, everybody, we got a mask up. Well, first it was don't mask. Then it was mask up. Like, all right. If you feel the need to do this, and this is, I was go along, get along for that. Made people feel better. You guys think this is going to work. Okay. I I figure it helps a little bit. And it does. I, I am still of the opinion that masks do help a tiny little bit in really specific circumstances. Cloth masks. The ones that everybody wears. I still believe that. But I don't believe it prevents the spread of the infection any longer. I don't. You know why? Because there have been studies now. Random, controlled studies. And those are important to look at when you're trying to determine what is and isn't happening. I have some of them. Apparently, the health board did not. (laughs) Charlotte Observer, in a story... Written by Allison Kuznets and Hannah Smoot. Headline, mask mandate ordered for all of Mecklenburg as surge in COVID Delta cases continues. By the way, we don't know they're actually Delta cases. You don't know that until afterwards. You got to run the tests afterwards, right? But we assume, I think it's fair to assume, but it's not very sciencey is all I'm saying. And as long as we're relying on the data and science, then I think it's incumbent upon us to... Behave accordingly. Anyway, county commissioners voted 6-2 to two for requiring face coverings in all indoor public settings during their two-hour special meeting Wednesday afternoon. 
Masks are required regardless of people's vaccination status, which really incentivizes everybody to get vaccinated, doesn't it? I got vaccinated and look at me. I get to exist under the same mandates as people who are unvaccinated. Makes it totally worth it. Commissioners Pat Cotham and Ella Scarborough cast the no votes and Commissioner Mark Gerald was absent due to a family emergency. Mecklenburg's new mask mandate will go into effect August 28th and will expire when certain health thresholds are met. You know what that you know what the threshold is? A percent positive case count. So a percent positive, that's what they call it, percent positive. So if you were to test 100 people and five of them come back positive, that would be a 5% positive count, right? That's the goal. We're at 13, and they want the goal of 5% for 30 straight days. We're not going to be out of a mask mandate until, like, 2028. This is, they keep calling it a pandemic. It is endemic now. It is endemic. Thanks to China, we were unable to stop it from spreading when we had a chance to stop it from spreading. It was already here. It was already ripping through the West Coast. There was nothing we could do by the time we learned it existed. And it was as bad as it was. Blame China. And all of the partisan sniping and the politicization of the response was about orange man bad rather than blaming China. Because that's racist. We have literally redefined the Spanish flu because we don't want to call it the Wuhan flu. And by we, I mean the progressives. I mean, you know, the the postmodernists. Right? But that's that's what this is about. That's why this has been politicized. It wasn't Donald Trump that politicized it. He called it the Wuhan flu. He said it came from China. And the knee-jerk reaction from people who have this Trump derangement syndrome was just, oh, my God, he's a racist. He's a racist. It's not the Wuhan flu. Change Spanish flu name, too. We got to change that, too. Got to change everything. Donald Trump's trying to kill us with the vaccine. Like, this was the reaction. I remember it. You guys are not getting off the hook for this. So when you when you said, I'm not going to trust anything that comes from the Trump administration, like Kamala Harris did, is it really that big of a surprise when there are these large portions of the black and Hispanic populations that are not getting vaccinated? Maybe they listened to you a year ago, year and a half ago. Is that possible? Maybe they listened to you guys. Then there was... Uh, There was a doctor who spoke, and he's quoted in this news article, and I just call attention. I'm going to play his soundbite in a bit, but um, I do want to call attention to the fact that there's something missing in this two-page write-up, this report in the Charlotte Observer. And what is missing is a single quote from an opponent. They don't have a single quote from any opponents that spoke at the public comment period. They quote the doctor who spoke in favor of it, But that's it, because he's a doctor, you see. He has credentials. And he said the science says masks work. And so that's good enough for the reporters. They don't do any digging into whether or not that's actually true, I guess. Because he's got a lab coat on, and he's a doctor. And so he's saying this, and so it's true. So we must follow him. That's what the priests wear nowadays. (laughs) 
Um, I am always questioning this stuff. I And I always thought it was part of being a reporter was that you are curious about things. You ask follow-up questions. You want to know the why. Okay, well, if everybody is just saying the science says the science says, I'm going to go find the science. And I did. Not not looking so good for a team mask. It doesn't. And there are more and more studies that are now coming out. I've got one here that just came down from University of Louisville. I think is how they say that. Right. Um, this was the response because I have the one from Duke. I'm going to get into this. I have the one from Duke. Here is the one. Yeah, here it is. New findings from the University of Louisville. This study notes that 80% of U.S. states mandated masks during the pandemic. 80%. And mandates induced greater mask compliance. Okay? However, the mandates did not predict lower growth rates when community spread was low or high. What does that mean? That there was no correlation. There was no causation. There's nothing that they could prove to link a mask mandate in the 80% of states that did them with any kind of lower spread. Mask mandates and use are not associated with lower SARS-CoV-2 spread among U.S. states. This is the University of Louisville. And by the way, this was a study that was done in May. In May. This information is available. I don't have some super special Google machine that lets me find all of these medical publications. Mass mandate, this is the University of Louisville. Our findings do not support the hypothesis that SARS-CoV-2 transmission rates decrease with greater public mask use. Researchers state, quote, masks may promote social cohesion as rallying symbols during a pandemic, but risk compensation can also occur. Prolonged mask use promotes uh, facial uh, alkalinization. Alkalinization. And it inadvertently encourages dehydration, which in turn can enhance barrier breakdown and bacterial infection risk. Right, because what happens to your nasal passages when they get dehydrated? They crack, right? They get dried out and they crack. British clinicians have reported masks to increase headaches and sweating and decrease cognitive precision. Survey bias, notwithstanding, these sequelae are associated with medical errors. By obscuring nonverbal communication, masks interfere with social learning and children as well. Likewise, masks can distort verbal speech and remove visual cues to the detriment of individuals with hearing loss. Clear face shields improve visual integration, but there is a corresponding loss of sound quality. Case growth was independent of mandates. This is directly from the research. Case growth was independent of mandates. What does that mean? means the number of cases went up or down independently of whether or not a state had a mass mandate in place or not. That's science. Do we care? Does anybody care? Does anybody care about the traffic? If you do, Boomer Von Cannon has some information for you. Mm-hmm. News Talk 1110-993-WBT. Mecklenburg County Commissioner... 
Laura Meyer actually asked the health director, Gibby Harris, at the uh, the special meeting yesterday about the claim that masks don't work. And here was Harris's response. There have been a number of studies done mm-hmm. that show that masks are um, nothing's 100 percent. I right. will admit that right off the bat. The vaccines aren't 100 percent. Masks yeah. aren't 100 percent. Yeah. But the evidence shows that they do present a barrier that prevents transmission and prevents you from being exposed. OK. It prevents a it uh, presents a barrier. True. It presents a barrier. It does. Absolutely. And you've probably heard this example before, the chain link fence and a mosquito. That chain link fence does, in fact, present a barrier to the mosquito. Or any other flying insect, you can take your pick, but like that it can still get through. But there are some parts where it will have to go around. It will have to adjust its its uh, flight path. Right. That is true that it does present a barrier to some transmission, some very, very small transmission, because, again, this is aerosolized. This was a big deal when it was announced that they had figured out that, hey, it's aerosolized, meaning, and you've probably seen these videos as well with the people smoking vapes, right? And then they put the mask on and they exhale and all of that stuff pours out of the uh, the mask. That's aerosolized. It's a representation, a visual representation of it. And so... You expect me to believe that the cloth mask that I have right in front of me here that I have to wear around our office building, that that, that is going to stop all of the, the, the exhalation of the lung juice that's going to kill people. The stuff that's fogging up my glasses, the micro droplets that are fogging my glasses are not actually there. That's what I am to believe. Now, I recognize that it does catch some of it. It's a very, I mean, it's a small portion of it, but even, let, okay, let's say it's 3%, because that's kind of really, I think, what it is, but let's say it's it's very small. Is all of this worth that 3%, or maybe should we do be, uh, be doing other things, like the ventilation, as I was talking about the other day? So uh, here is more of Gibby Harris. Um, so there, the evidence is out there. The it's CDC there. Mm-hmm. is strongly encouraging. They can't mandate in our communities. Yeah. Um, the governor in the past has mandated masks, yeah. and at this point he's leaving that up to our local communities yeah. to do what they need to do based on what's happening in our communities. Right. But the evidence is there that masks work. The evidence is there. Where? Cite it. This is the thing that has driven me nuts. This is a year and a half now. A year and a half. There is zero examination of the actual science and data that they rely on to make these pronouncements. And you just heard, like, I mean, kudos. Like, I could not do what uh, Director Harris did there. I could not. I fully acknowledge that this is why I would be a terrible politician as well. I could not give an answer there that dances around the answering the question with statements that sound like you're answering a question. Because that's what she did. And Mandy Cohen does this, the Health and Human Services Secretary. Roy Cooper does this. They state things like, well, the CDC is recommending it. Yes, but that's not an answer to the question. Because the question is actually a why question. Why are we doing this? Right? Why? Well, the CDC recommends it. Why? Well, they have studies that show it. 
let's see the studies. And when we actually, well, I actually went with uh, John Sanders from the John Locke Foundation and did a did two one-hour interviews with John Sanders who had gone through all of the mask studies, the pro-masking studies that the Cooper administration cited in their original, going back like a year ago, in the original presentation to members of the General Assembly, they listed out like 22 studies. John Sanders examined every one of them. And then I sat for an interview with John Sanders, or he sat for an interview with me, uh, over two shows on my podcast a year ago. Two shows. And we went in-depth on every single one of those studies. And none of them, well, first off, none of them are sort of the gold standard of studies, which is the randomized clinical trial. That's a, it's called an RCT, randomized clinical trial. This is what you need to do in order to know or to have a great, not to know because it's science, but like in order to have a high degree of certainty that you're not seeing some sort of bias in the way your, uh, your research has been constructed or the way you're getting the, the data in or how you're interpreting it. The randomized clinical trials, they, they uh, minimize that sort of bias. It's the most credible research design for clinical investigation. And the goal is to get a valid comparison of the effects of some sort of investigational treatment or treatments with a control treatment. The control group. This is why I keep saying the people who are not getting vaccinated, they're the control group. Right? If you're... If you're trying to find out if something works, you're running an RCT, a randomized clinical trial. You you should be doing that, right? And so the people were like, I don't want to get the vaccine because it hasn't gone through enough testing. And I rely on the FDA to tell me what I put in my body. Like, I don't agree with that, but whatever. Like, they're against the vaccines. Fine, you're against the vaccine. You're my control group now. And I'm going to look at your population and how often you guys die of COVID, right? And in a randomized sample and this sort of thing. And we look at the people who got the vaccine and how often they die of COVID, right? That, and, and then you compare it. And then we have a body of data that we can look at and, um, and draw conclusions from. Simply telling me that the CDC says that we should do this doesn't tell me anything. Because honestly, at this point, can you blame me for doubting the credibility of the CDC? And I hate to say that. I, I generally try to put faith in these institutions because that's where I thought the experts went. But there has been a complete disintegration of trust and credibility in American institutions. It's been building for a very long time. And I, I mean, you know, kudos to the postmodernists. Congratulations, you know, mission accomplished for a lot of you guys. Um, it's been the slow march through the institutions. And it's also been the people that are in charge that have been, Making stuff up, apparently, and telling us this is true without actually knowing it's true. You're taking guesses. And then when your guesses are wrong, you just pivot to another guess. I understand. It's a new virus. I understand people don't know what it's going to do, how it's going to mutate, all that. But here is a good example of it. All viruses mutate. But right now you got people being led to believe in American society that this is somehow some brand new thing that we're witnessing that, oh, my gosh, this has mutated. And the you know media just bangs that drum. It's a mutated virus. Like, they all do this. 
This is normal for viruses. Also normal for viruses, as I understand it, much much like Vilma Leak, I am not a doctor. But um, viruses tend to get more contagious while they get less deadly. That's not to say that viruses can't get more deadly, but generally speaking, that's the trend. And by the way, the Delta variant is less deadly, according to the research, according to the data and the science. That's what it tells me. But you never hear anybody say that. All they talk about is transmissibility. They never talk about the actual risk of dying from it. Very frustrating. Thanks for hanging out. I appreciate it. Um, I do have, yeah, I, I don't think I'm going to get to the governor's comments. I've been ranting on a bunch of different things. I apologize. So I'm probably not going to get to the uh, governor's comments. Uh, I'll do that tomorrow, probably. Just want to give you a heads up on that. Let me get back to the county commissioner's meeting from yesterday because I pulled the audio and dadgummit, we're going to listen to it. Um, Susan Rodriguez McDowell, county commissioner. She had the following comments before her yes vote yesterday member of the Board of Health. You know, our security, including our physical security, our financial health, are co-dependent upon one another. Our schools, our courts, our businesses, we need to put them in a position of strength, not weakness. The anti-mask crowd is loud. I hear you. I've been listening and answering the phone. I've been answering emails. I've been reading dozens and dozens of emails. For oh, you. That's <clears throat> no, tough. I, I just don't understand this, this tying to liberty and freedom that I hear over and over again. You don't? All right, hang on a second. I'll explain it then for you, okay? When you tell the businesses that they now have to enforce your mask mandate, because that's what you're doing, you're now putting the business owner into a position of having to tell a customer, mask up, and if they don't, then they could get fined. And if they continue to get fined, they go out of business. They are not at liberty to conduct business the way they would prefer to. There's one example just off the top of my head about how the liberty argument uh, interacts with this mandate. The other liberty argument is, uh, dare I say, even more obvious, which is you're telling people what to wear. Well, but I'm not telling them what color the mask can be. I mean, you can get really creative with the color patterns and everything else. I don't know how there can be liberty and freedom when disease is allowed to run rampant. Well, that's. That's a, that actually is a good example of it. You have the freedom to allow disease to run rampant, like the common cold. We have the freedom to allow that to run rampant. We could lock everybody down over the common cold, which could kill some people who are immunocompromised, right? And those aliens from War of the Worlds. Like, we could lock down every flu season. We could do that. But we don't. Right? We, we are at liberty to make these decisions. And when you're telling people that they are not at liberty to make those decisions. That's the intersection of the liberty slash freedom 
argument with the mass mandates. You're welcome. Look, I'm just explaining because she sounded like she she didn't understand it even after reading all of the emails. Oh my gosh! So like, I'm I'm a giver if nothing else, and uh, there you go. There's an explanation. That doesn't make any sense to me. No, oh, I tried. I'm going to be voting in favor of this, but I want to speak to a couple of things. The town issue. I have three towns in my district. I don't view this as forcing a body of government to do something. <laughs> Our towns do not have their own uh, boards of health. Right. Okay. You don't. You don't either. You're the county commission. You don't either. You're the board of health, just like they would be the board of health. You don't have a specific dedicated board of health either. You're literally doing the same thing that any of the town boards would be doing. You are literally as qualified as they are. <laughs> so you don't understand this? Now, I do understand the argument that as the board of health, you can make these uh, rulings. I understand that component of your argument. That's true. You can make these uh, recommendations. You can make these uh, edicts, if you will, right? You can force the towns to do these things. But please, you know, don't gaslight me and tell you, oh, I don't understand what you're talking about. We're not, we're not forcing them to do anything. Of course you are. Mecklenburg County is the responsible body when it comes to this topic. So I don't see this as taking away any power um, or jurisdiction from our towns. Yeah, of course you don't, because you're, you're, you're the one with the power. Right. I'm sorry. Do they have the power to to not do what you're telling them to do? Oh, they don't. OK, well, then you are. Right. What she's arguing is semantics. It's a difference without a distinction. Right. She's saying, well, we didn't take any power away. No, but you're blocking them from exercising their own ideas or their own uh, preferences. Right. So we're, you, you're blocking them, but you're not taking it away. It's a uh, yeah, it, it's splitting hairs. Commissioner George Dunlap, then the chairman of the Board of County Commissioners, his remarks here before the opening uh, of the meeting up for public comments. Again, probably not the best way to uh, to set the table for the public comments uh, period here. George Dunlap. I have heard from a number of people. I won't say quite a number of people. I've had a whole lot more people call and a whole lot more people email on issues that I thought were not as controversial as this particular issue. All right, so there you go. So right out of the gate, like, you guys are tiny in number. You're like, I'm not even hearing from anybody, which is weird because you just heard, like, an obviously weary Commissioner McDowell, Rodriguez McDowell, just oh, all of the emails just... Dozens and dozens of emails. I've read them all. It's just so tiring. I'm just tired of doing the work. This is a common refrain you hear, by the way, on the left. It's like the work is just so draining. Like the work. Like capital T, capital W, the work. So you had to read all these emails. It's just been so tiring. But Dunlap is like, I'm not really seeing much of anything over here. This is like, I, you know. Traffic circles usually get me more emails than this. Um, I will point out here 
There is a, uh, and maybe people aren't writing him because they know that he's a an, uh, condescending, arrogant uh, elected official. But uh, the Civitas poll that just came out uh, today, as as the show was going on, they've got masks in schools put to the uh, to these uh, survey respondents, and total support is fifty five percent support, thirty six percent oppose. When you break it down by partisan um, affiliation, only 22% of Republicans support masks in schools. 83% of Democrats support them. 58% of unaffiliated. That's why they're doing the mandates. That's where the people want to go, so that's where they're going to go. It's science. Traffic science... It's not really a science. It's more of an art. (laughs) And uh, Boomer Von Cannon knows that better than anybody. Here's another top line out of the uh, Civitas study, or survey, rather, that they put out, the Civitas poll, that uh, now Civitas is part of John Locke Foundation, and they do their polling, and uh, they put it out this afternoon. Which of the following best describes your view of the media's role in COVID-19, the vaccine, and vaccine passports? Which of the following best describes your view? They have been honest brokers of information. They cannot be trusted when it comes to reporting on COVID-19. They are usually honest, but I question a few things they say. They are lying to protect the pharmaceutical companies that sponsor them. They are lying to increase the power of politicians and government or unsure. So unsure was like 7%. Lying to protect politicians, about 22%. And the government to increase, sorry, to increase the power of politicians and the government, about 22%. To protect pharmaceutical companies, that was about 4%. The biggest number represented here is in the answer, they're usually honest, but I question a few things they say. 266 26.5 is they can't be trusted when it comes to reporting on COVID-19. So they're basically tied. And so you add all of that together, and it's like 87%. So in other words, only 13% of the respondents believe that the media has been honest brokers of information. This is, this, the media is part of what the institutions that have lost all credibility. This is a huge problem, folks. If you're covering COVID stories, this is a massive problem for you. You're talking only about one out of every 10 people that's looking at your story believes you? That's not a sustainable business model. (laughs) Just heads up. All right, back to George Dunlap here. Let's see, this was cut number... Sorry, working off my sheet here. George Dunlap, we'll see if the clip plays. Oh, it does. I have read my email. I have listened to my phone messages. Oh, good. And whether we agree or not, Mm -hmm. um, the bottom line is somebody has to make a decision. Mm, And everybody can't have it their way. Yeah. The Board of Health for Mecklenburg County is designed to make health rules for Mecklenburg County. If you are in a township 
within Mecklenburg County, the Board of Health rule applies to you. So, uh, as this is why, by the way, this is an end run around the towns and the limitations of the county commissioners, because Mecklenburg has this specific, uh, unique dual role as the Board of Health. This is the end run they're doing to get a mask mandate in place as quickly as possible. This is how they're this is how they've done it. Um, and what he's saying is tough. That's what that's George Dunlap's response is tough. We disagree, but I'm in power. We win. That's it. Like this is that's why I say like postmodernism and the modern left. It's simply about power. And by the way, this is what they believe too. They will tell you this when they talk about critical race theory and all of the related uh, uh, ideologies and you know white fragility and all of that. Right? When they talk about all that stuff, what do they always frame all of our society as? A power struggle, right? That's how they see the world. That's how they see society. It's all about power dynamics. That's their philosophy. So why wouldn't they be behaving exactly like they believe everything operates? That's what he's saying. It relates to these townships that have their own boards. Those same boards will make decisions some of whom their residents will agree with, some their residents will not agree with. But their rule would be their rule. And for those who like what they say, you're happy. For those who don't like what they say, you're happy. Well, thank you. This is like classic Obama pattern where it's like, I'm going to state this and I'm going to state that and I'm going to give you like this observation of the thing that we all see as if it's, like you're persuading somebody of something, as if you're making an argument, and you're not. But that's why we have the Board of Health. It applies to all of Mecklenburg County. <clears throat> so while I've heard what everybody had to say, mm-hmm. let me tell you what this is not, because I, I, I read a lot of stuff that wasn't accurate. This is not a stay-home order. Nobody's being told you can't go out. Not yet. This is not about finding you to increase the amount of money that we receive in our budget. Nobody's mentioned a fine. This is not a, a demand that everybody get vaccinated. We respect people's right to do that or not, even though it, if it were our choice, we would do that. No different than you are required to take other kinds of vaccinations. Interesting. So the county commissioners, politicians who are elected from districts generally, right? Most of the people on the county commissioner, district representatives, I believe, isn't George Dunlap a district rep? I believe he is. Um, yeah, I mean, the day he wins an at-large race, uh, let me see here. Just let me be, because I was about to say I would eat my hat, but that would require me to go out and get a hat first and foremost. And then obviously I would have to eat it and that wouldn't be very tasty. Yeah, he's district rep. Yeah. So here's a district rep representing one-sixth of the population, right? He's, he's saying, like, this is what we would do. We would totally mandate these vaccines. He would mandate vaccines countywide, just to everybody. He would do that if he could, he says. Well, here's a question. How come you haven't done it for all of your employees then? 
Wouldn't you have mandated every employee, every school teacher? Shouldn't there be mandatory vaccinations for every single Mecklenburg County employee, every contractor? Right. You could do these things. People are doing them, right? Cooper's doing some of this. Um, you know, there comes a time when um, those of us who are elected, and I would say to those who have different opinions, who want to make these decisions that you should go get elected. Um, That's the, you know what that reminded me of? And I'm dating myself again here. Norman Mitchell. Norman Mitchell, during a budget debate back in the early 2000s, made some comment to people who were complaining about the tax raise, and he said, if you don't like it here and you you think you can go someplace better, then I suggest that you do. And that's what, that's essentially what, uh, what George Dunlap just said. Right? If you think you could do a better job, come take my seat. Power dynamics. That's all this is. All right. While I am loath to uh, to stop playing George Dunlap's audio because it's just so mockable um let me jump ahead to this next clip because this is george dunlap the county commission chairman uh who opens up the public comments with a petty and condescending prelude because uh, of course he does because it's george dunlap unlike some of you the board will hear your concern we will be respectful we will not talk while you're talking Out of respect, and I realize that some of you are not only disrespectful in this chamber, but that's your disposition. Mm. So as I call your name, you will go to the respective mic that's available. All right. You will have up to three minutes. Yeah. Um, I find this... Up to three minutes. Oh, yeah. Not any second after three minutes. Up to three minutes. All right. He's very stern here. He's very stern. And some people, you know, your disposition is to be rude to, to people and to, to, to misbehave, to act up. Did you ever hear the story about George Dunlap over at the uh, sheriff's office years ago when he was an employee over there or the county police department? Kind of lost his temper against a woman. Oh, Yeah. Then it happened again, like on the school board against Linda Lynn Cacadellis. I think it was in the parking deck or something. So he he definitely he has experience. You know, he can identify these behaviors. All right, let me get to this because this is something you did not see in the Charlotte Observer story. Uh, any kind of mention of anybody that spoke out against the mass mandate. No quotes, nothing from any of these people. I had COVID just a few months ago, so why would I even need to wear a mask? It, it makes no sense. In fact, knowing what we know all about coronaviruses, the message from government should simply be get some exercise, take your vitamin D, and stay home if you are sick. County businesses are going to get hurt again. I know many people that went to other counties and they went to South Carolina to spend their money, and guess who got hurt? The local businesses, okay? And that's what's going to happen again. You've already mandated masks for kids in school. I don't agree with that. 
But if you want to put your kid in public school, you got to put a mask on him. I think it's a sad thing. I think it's child abuse, but that's my opinion. And history will tell us, history will tell us the effects of the decisions that are made in this chamber. And a, a decision to mask people up, to put a mandate on people, to put a mask on their face, to me is tyrannical. And I will not comply. I will spend my money elsewhere. Now we've heard, and I think we've all been grateful to hear, that the board desires to make their decision based on the science. And unfortunately, I haven't heard much about science. And we know from Dr. Fauci, from a year ago, that there's a difference between anecdotes and science. You see, there's been one large, randomized, controlled trial that specifically examined whether masks protect their wearers from the coronavirus. However, there have also been hundreds of mask studies related to the common flu virus transmission over the several decades, so they've studied this a lot. The conclusion by the CDC, after reviewing all of the studies worldwide, found, quote, no reduction in viral transmission with the use of face masks, end quote. Mm. However, these studies did demonstrate that masks actually trap bacteria on the inside of the mask. 18 months ago, I was part of my community. I was helping make masks. I was handing them out. Uh, now, 18 months later, I hate to break it to you guys, but this gig is up. This gig is up, folks, and we know what's going on, and a lot of the people prior to me on this call were, were saying the exact same thing. It's time to come clean and face the science. You either follow the science or you follow orders. I remember going to a restaurant having to wear a mask before I sat down and then take it off as soon as I sat down as if COVID was waiting for me to finish dinner. I mean, these are the absurd rules that uh, we had to follow. COVID knows. I know you're thinking about the Delta variant. You mentioned it earlier. Uh, and you mentioned how the Delta variant is much more contagious, which it is. But you also need to know that, the, that all the variants are actually much less uh, harmful to people than the original virus. So if that's the case, I don't understand why you're masking us up. Next up, pro-mask. The only pro-masker that I saw was a doctor. So it's a privilege to wear a mask. When the pandemic first started, we did not have enough masks to protect us in the hospitals. Mm -hmm. We reused masks that should have been disposed of. Yeah, it was terrible. We wore those masks to the point where my own blood was on the mask. But I couldn't take it off because there were no other masks available to me. My son was born a few months before the pandemic. I would go to work with a single mask that I had to use over and over again to save patients' lives in the ER. I intubated COVID patients. I told family members that they would never see their family member again. I would come home and I couldn't see my own son. I'd strip in the garage. I'd live in a separate part of my house because I didn't have enough masks to feel safe with. I couldn't touch my own son or feed my own son or change my own son for four months until we had enough masks that I felt comfortable to do so. We know that masks work. Physicians have worn masks for hundreds of years. Children are taught to cover their mouths when they sneeze. It is literally the same concept. One of the commissioners stated N95s are only for healthcare workers. Yeah, early on, we didn't have enough. Those were, so they reserved it to healthcare workers because we were the most exposed. We didn't know which masks were the best, but I can tell you surgical masks work and N95s absolutely do work. 
We have studies from local doctors such as Duke that literally just came out last week saying that masks work in schools, that the CDC provides us with scientific proof that it works as well. To the gentleman who had COVID a few months ago, he doesn't realize the virus changes. He's gonna get the virus again. His antibodies, his immune system, eating healthy is not gonna protect you. The mask will protect you. It's getting out of control because people are not wearing masks and they're letting this mutate. Unfortunately, we've had politics involved in scare tactics about masks used. Masks do not lower your ability to breathe oxygen. They do not increase your carbon dioxide level. I wear a mask 12 hours a day, nothing happens to me. They do not cause life-threatening medical issues. If they did, your surgeon would not wear it for 12 hours a day. I heard a commissioner was saying that there was people with respiratory issues who don't want to wear masks. I can promise you, those are the people who need to be wearing masks because they're the highest risk of dying. So the Charlotte Observer identified this doctor as Aaron Piramzadian, Piramzadian, chief medical officer for StarMed Healthcare. He endorsed mask wearing and dispelled coronavirus myths during the commissioner's meetings. Um, the reason why doctors wear the masks, I thought, was to prevent any of their droplets from getting into the patient's. Right. And when everybody started wearing the mask, frontline workers, healthcare workers, yes, you, you're trying to limit as much as you can. But when I see these randomized clinical trials that tell me otherwise, and by the way, this is going back years before COVID even hit cloth masks, the stuff that everybody else is wearing, we're all wearing not the same. And I don't think telling people that eating healthy won't protect them. I don't think that's good medical advice. Generally speaking, I mean, I've always been told, hey, eat healthy, get exercise. So the doctor mentioned the study that came out of Duke University and the ABC Collaborative, and uh, they wrote a uh, piece, an op-ed at the New York Times. Uh, They said uh, they looked at uh, North Carolina in conjunction with North Carolina, the ABC Science Collaborative, collected data from more than a million students and staff members in the state schools from March to June of 2021. Certain school districts in North Carolina were required by bipartisan legislation to submit infection data. During that time, more than 7,000 children and adults acquired the coronavirus and attended school while infectious. Because of close contact with those cases, More than 40,000 people required quarantine. Through contact tracing and testing, however, we found only 363 additional children and adults acquired the coronavirus. 7,000 kids with the virus and adults with the virus, 40,000 quarantined, and that 7,000 only led to 363 different cases. We believe this low rate of transmission occurred because of the mask-on-mask school environment. Both the infected person and the close contact wore masks. Because North Carolina had a mask mandate for all K-12 schools, we could not compare masked schools to unmasked schools. So you don't know what the comparative would be there. Because that wasn't a randomized clinical trial. Right. Um, I have one here. This was from 2015. The aim of the study was to compare the efficacy of cloth masks to medical masks in hospital health care workers. This was 
uh, published at BMJ, a British medical journal. The setting was 14 secondary-level and tertiary-level hospitals in Hanoi, Vietnam. 1,600 hospital workers, healthcare workers, were randomized to medical masks, cloth masks, or a control group, which would be their usual practice. Participants used the mask on every shift for four consecutive weeks. And what they found was clinical respiratory illnesses, CRI, influenza-like illnesses, or ILI, and laboratory-confirmed respiratory virus infections. Those were the, the measures that they were looking at. And here's what they found. The rates of all infection outcomes were highest in the cloth mask cohort with the rate of the influenza-like illnesses statistically significantly higher in that group than the others compared to the medical mask arm. This study, this is the conclusion, this study is the first RCT, the randomized clinical trial, the first of cloth masks, and the results caution against the use of cloth masks. It's not even that they're saying, hey, this isn't effective. They're saying, do, we're cautioning you not to do this. This is an important finding to inform occupational health and safety, moisture retention, reuse of cloth masks, and poor filtration may result in increased risk of infection, an increased risk of infection. This is the science and data. What am I supposed to do with this, people? What am I supposed to do with these studies? Here's another one. There's a sum total. You know how many randomized clinical trials show that masks prevent any aforementioned illnesses? Do you know how many? Zero. Zero. What am I supposed to do with this information? Like, honest question for the people who are telling me that masks save lives. What am I supposed to do with this information of randomized clinical trials that come out and say, hey, don't wear these things. Don't wear the cloth masks. They're, they're actually going to cause more harm than good. They don't prevent the spread. What am I supposed to do with this? You're telling me to follow the science. Am I following the science or am I just following you? Let me go over here to Mark. Hello, Mark. Welcome to the show. What's going on? Hey, Pete. Thanks. Uh, Listening to your show today and you were talking about uh, one of the folks that cites evidence but then doesn't provide any sources for it. And yesterday at our company, I work for a major employer here, uh, one of our senior EVPs sent out this email telling us all we should get vaccinated. It's our best chance. But what I've noticed is uh, in one of the first bullet points, they said that the number of COVID-19 deaths per 100,000 has increased 203% during the week ending August 10th for North Carolina. And then I go to the link and it says, basically, if you look at North Carolina, we're averaging 18 deaths a week where I think early this year we were like 109 a day. Yeah, what is he comparing? a week, I'm sorry. Yeah, well, the first question I had when you read me the stat was what's, what, what's he comparing it to? Because what I've noticed is a lot of these stats are now being marked from the end of the winter spike. So when it went all the way down, now they're saying, well, we look at this huge increase, and it's over a seven-day period or a 14-day period because they do these rolling averages. And so yeah. if you're only looking at, yeah, if you're looking at the, you know, a month ago when the numbers were way, way, way down, and you're saying, oh, my gosh, it's all, it's a, you know, this crazy amount. Well, yes, but by what comparison is it? I mean, because if the and here's this is why I keep asking about the goals. What is the destination here? Is the goal zero covid deaths? 
Is that the point here? Because, and I know you don't have the answer to this, Mark. I'm sorry, I derailed you there. <laughs> I'm asking but, the same question. Yeah, what's the goal? And, and the goal keeps changing. And, and like you said, they won't even standardize the math that we should use. Yeah. Which, yeah, at this point, why are there not the, you know, the superior masks? Why are those not being distributed all over the place? Why are, why are masks or cloth masks acceptable, right? This is what, yes. like, again, if you want me to behave like we are practicing battlefield medicine, if you want me to behave like this is a really, really, really deadly virus that's going to kill everybody on Earth, if you want me to behave like that, I expect you guys that are telling me to, to behave that way as well. And the things that they're doing don't necessarily prove that out. I appreciate the call, Mark. Thank you. And, uh, uh, yeah, I don't know what to make of that stat either. But it, it this is one of the more frustrating uh, components of dealing with this pandemic is there is a lack of trust. There's also there was a, a question that was posed on Twitter today, and I think it was the Charlotte Ledger responded, you know, why are uh, reporters? It was a question about reporters and why are they getting this stuff so wrong and uh, and why are they or no, why are they uh, uh, what I call you know panic porn? Why are they they fear mongering? And there are a number of reasons. But I mean, honestly, like the the in my mind, at least, it's easy. It's easy. You don't have to know much about anything to say, oh, my gosh, look at the numbers. They went up. And then you have a soundbite from somebody saying, oh, my gosh, the numbers went up. And then you have a chart. And I'm Pete Callender. Back to you. Like, that's the story. It's very easy to do. You also have a bunch of reporters that are not health beat reporters. They don't understand the health beat. I'm not saying I do, uh, but I think I have a better grasp of some of the aspects of it now than I did before. Um so you've cut newsrooms, so you don't have a dedicated health reporter any longer. You've got reporters that are not expert in the material, and they're also terrified. You add all of that together, plus the fact that the media's business model for, oh, its entire existence has been to sell the outrageous and the fear, right? That's what gets people to buy the paper. So that's a wrap for the show. I appreciate it. Thanks for listening. Thanks for hanging out. Brett Winterville coming up, News Talk 1110-993-WBT. We'll talk with you tomorrow, and don't break anything while I'm gone.